chapter five of the ins and outs of paris or paris by day and night by julie de marguerite this librivox recording is in the public domain the faubourg saint germain cross the port neuf and enter the rue dauphine and where is the beautiful brilliant elegant paris of the tuileries and the boulevards this is paris a century ago dark narrow streets small shops with dingy windows muddy pavements and no sidewalk the faubourg saint-germain the home of the exclusive noblesse and of the wild reckless student is now before us with its hereditary palaces grand and gloomy and its sordid rickety houses with poverty and riotous joy on every floor there are some magnificent streets though in this last refuge of the historical names whose final illustration was an heroic death by the revolutionary guillotine the new-formed aristocracy of france the noblesse de bourse never felt inclined to attack the enemies they envy in their own camp there is something in the large iron gates the stone walls the wide and solemn courtyards which chills and which requires the traditions of rank the dignity the independence of true-born aristocracy your nouveau riche loves neat little railings with gilded spikes tiny courtyards and stuccoed walls those lofty chambers with their dark sweeping velvet curtains the furniture stately and heavy the few solemn full-length portraits the polished inlaid floor and the large hearth wide as the crater of a volcano and consuming whole forest trees chill the disciple of fashion and bring back uncomfortable feelings of insignificance whilst the d'aubusson carpets the conglomeration of lace muslin and silk excluding the glaring light nay the light altogether the elegant slim gilded and painted furniture the rosewood and satinwood tables covered with knick-knacks baptized works of art the pretty pictures with their prettier frames the soft sofas and the well-trimmed flower-stands form a fit kingdom for the wealthy whose strength and importance is their gold well may they be afraid of disappearing in toto in the midst of the noble and the elevated throughout the day no footsteps of the aristocratic population are to be traced in any of the streets of the faubourg saint-germain but before the other population wakes from every one of these historical hotels may be seen to issue the elegant and dignified daughters with the mother enveloped in long dark shawls the simplest of bonnets with deep black veils and followed by a servant in undressed livery carrying their prayer-books all going to early mass at the church st sulpice st thomas d'aquin or the small but aristocratic church of la mission étrangère the old families have preserved their outward practices of the roman catholic church as faithfully as their allegiance to their hereditary sovereign and however infidelity and new religions may have penetrated into other classes of society and been the capital of many ambitious of distinction it has never been considered necessary for the noble youth of the faubourg saint-germain to deny the belief of their fathers to acquire a reputation of capacity for political or intellectual affairs the unmarried women of paris see but glimpses of the world and many of these glimpses materials for day-dreams are obtained at this daily returning excursion to mass however these young girls are too well educated and too well drilled to venture anything beyond a glance at eyes that gaze on theirs and they know that the reverie ending with a deep-drawn sigh is all that will follow this first transient fancy 
strange destinies are these in a country where of all others hearts and imaginations are free and yet where free will is denied to woman in the only important event in life the only one for which she is made responsible in after years yet in which she follows the dictates if not the authority of those around her did you ever see a french wedding here you are on the place saint sulpice there to your right is the small windowed inquisition-looking building around which the young seminarists in their trailing dingy gowns don basilio hats and with downcast eyes are disconsolately walking houses built for the great and rich but now deteriorated degraded into sordid lodging-houses are on all the other sides but in the centre is the beautiful edifice of saint sulpice with its two open towers it is gloomy enough within silent and solemn the very gilding is reflected but dimly and the saints painted in the hour of their martyrdom and not of their beatification give rise to feelings of dread rather than of consolation but now all is bright if the light of day comes but dimly through the windows hundreds of wax candles illumine the aisles on the stone floor a rich carpet has been laid rows of velvet surround the altar itself the masses of white camellias roses jessamines and white lilacs almost exclude the sight of the sacred images the aisles are all filled with new straw chairs the sacristans are in their best the beggars in their worst for that is their wedding garment all stand in waiting round the door on the steps is the swiss looking to the uninitiated uncommonly like the drum major of a regiment all gold lace with cocked hat and a sword by his side and his hand a long pole with a silver knob his legs are models and he knows it now the carriages arrive the swiss stamps his stick upon the stones and down gets the bride led by the mother fathers are rather in the background on these occasions the organs peal and the whole procession headed by the swiss marches up to the altar then the aisles fill with every sort of magnificence of dress one two three hundred or even a thousand people everybody whose name was ever known to bride or bridegroom comes of course to the wedding or at least to church when the question wilt thou take this man is addressed to the bride she takes for ever her leave of maternal control by turning with a profound courtesy to her mother to ask her permission to answer mamma responds by another inclination and then her daughter says yes which gives her freedom ever more the youngest sister of either bride or bridegroom handed by the youngest gentleman of the party and preceded by our friend with the fine legs with his sounding silver pole then goes through the crowd with downcast eyes and a velvet bag in her hand soliciting contributions pour les pauvres s'il vous plaît then they adjourn to the vestry and then for the first time the bridegroom calls his wife by her christian name though the timid bride does not drop the monsieur till some days after she has been his wife then there is feasting at home dressing dancing and a little crying and then the bride installed in her home by her mother leaves for ever the paternal roof now in all probability the principal actors in this scene have never spoken twenty sentences to each other since they were first introduced this is the way they court in france one lady says to another my daughter is eighteen she has so much every girl has a dowry if it be but five hundred francs you have known her from a child you see so many young men 
cannot you think of one to suit her of course the lady can for men are as eager in france to marry as the girls are to get husbands it is an increase of fortune and a patent of respectability in all stations in all professions the young man is spoken to and of course the young lady named to him a party is given and they meet or sometimes the girl is taken to the opera and the lover examines her through his glass if satisfied with the survey he is allowed to pay a visit then the girl supposed to be in entire ignorance up to this point is asked how she would like so-and-so for a husband now it is but just to say that if the girl does not approve the negotiation goes no further but as she has never spoken to this suitor and knows she will not speak to any future suitor if the man is tolerably good-looking and the tailor has done his duty why she being assured by her parents that the money is all right generally says yes then the mamma of the bridegroom comes one evening when the house has been set in order and everybody dressed in his best and after the first salutation she rises and in a solemn voice asks the hand of mademoiselle estelle blank for monsieur achille blank then the mamma on the opposite side of the house accepts the offer mademoiselle estelle weeps and throws herself into her future mamma's arms whilst the son-in-law embraces the mother of his intended the papas shake hands the betrothed lovers released from the maternal arms mutually bow to each other and the servants bring in tea then the lawyer set to work to draw up the contract the mamma orders new dresses etc for her daughter and puts new caps and dresses on herself the bridegroom comes every evening with a grand bouquet which he offers to mademoiselle flirts an hour or two with the mother bows to the daughter and goes off the bride-elect has only to embroider quietly by her mother's side to smile to blush and simper then the negotiating lady comes in grand state preceded by an enormous trunk mamma and the bride receive her never of course heeding the trunk then the lady makes a speech opens the trunk and presents the bride with the corbeille namely the wedding dress veil and wreath two or three cashmere shawls ditto velvet dresses a set of furs a set of lace flounces a set of diamonds a watch a fan prayer-book and a purse of gold these come from the bridegroom in return the lady gets a bracelet from the bride with many thanks for the presents and the husband the mother scolds the intended for the reckless magnificence displayed when he comes at night the bride says ah monsieur blushes and throws herself into her mother's arms then the mamma gives her present to the intended six cambric shirts and six white cravats the whole trimmed with valenciennes chosen with an eye to the future pocket-handkerchiefs of the bride for after the wedding-day what man will be bedecked with lace at last comes the signing of the contract the bride takes one step into the world she receives her visitors and speaks nay converses with all except the intended that would be improper she gives tokens of affection to her unmarried relatives bought from the purse in the corbeille the wonders of this corbeille are displayed in one room while the trousseau of the bride given by the mother is exhibited in another embroidery linen cambric laces etc are here lavished on the personal underclothing of the bride made up in dozens and dozens of each article with piles upon piles of tablecloths sheets towels etc 
all marked with embroidered marks and tied with pink and blue ribbons then comes the civil ceremony and two days after the last scene of all at which we have assisted in the church of st sulpice this is the way they manage marriages in france love is out of the question but it comes after in more cases than it lasts in other countries where it is supposed to come before there is great liberty after marriage on both sides but a strict observance of outward forms women are devoted mothers and if they do not always esteem the man they invariably respect the husband the family tie is stronger in france than anywhere else if in france there are few model marriages where happiness and love are ever blooming there are certainly much fewer really unhappy ones marriage is a lottery why not let chance draw your lot rather than yourself shake the bag and bring up a blank do you know more of a pretty girl's temper after a month's flirtation excepting that she is susceptible of flirting than blind chance who being blind may perhaps endow you with a prize End of chapter five